I love introducing Brother Dylan to you because he's a man of God, first of all. He loves his wife. He's a a fantastic uh, youth leader, a fantastic worship leader, a businessman, and he's not bad looking. (laughs) (laughs) And I expect lunch after church. But we are delighted this morning that he's bringing the word. And, you know, anyone that stands in this pulpit, it's not because we're worthy. It's because the Lord uses us. If you're ushering, if you're, if anything you do, may I say this before you preach? Hold a second. Don't, don't go away. <laughs> that we appreciate very much everybody that works in this house. Amen. I mean, we have a, a, a man... We have a couple sitting over here, this good-looking couple back in the green shirt back here and his wife and the pretty pink and black. Most of you don't know who they are. But if you look out by the street and all that beautiful grass, they mow that every single time it's necessary. And they've been doing it. Amen. They have been doing it for years. And probably no one ever knew that. But they do a beautiful job, and they have a business that's thriving. God's blessed them. They're tithers and givers, and they're always faithful to, to bless the house. And we're just so glad that they do that outside the building. And there's those that work hard inside the building. And, and everything that you do, you're appreciated. This worship team, ushering, nursery workers, children's workers, children's, everything. Just name it. All the activities goes on. We just appreciate you, and I know that everyone here can say the same thing. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I must say, uh, uh, thank you, uh, Pastor Andrews, and uh, I want to also thank Pastor Blake for this opportunity to come and, and, and minister the Word of God. It's not a, uh, it's definitely not deserving. You know, I don't walk up here and say, hey, you know, I need to preach. Give me the mic. Let me get up here. I got a word from the Lord. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't catch that, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, but truly it's a humbling experience. And butterflies twist and turn. My stomach does a whole lot of things coming up here. And I know before I get up here, Boy, you better let the Lord use you, because if you don't, you're going to come up here and spill your guts. It ain't going to get nobody nowhere. People are going to leave mad. <laughs> now, you know, when I was a kid, they used to drag me to church. But every time I got to church, and when the service was over, I wasn't mad. When I got here, I was mad. I was like, ugh, I got to go to church. And in Africa... We had to walk, you know, up and down the, the valleys. Christoph, you probably know what I'm talking about. Go down the valleys, boy. You got to get some places, roll up your shoes, cross the river, walking on rocks. You know what I'm talking about, Judy. By the time you get there, guess what? All the Catholic churches, the nice churches, they were cool. All the kids rode in cars. They all kicked back. You know, they had like, everything was nice over there. Churches we went to barely had windows. I was like, Mom. Who is this Jesus we're going to? Why can't we go with them? Look at them. 
Yeah, but, you know, apparently we was the real church going out in pain. Nobody gave us a ride of church, boy. They see us. I know where you're going. Your, your church is right next door. Y'all see us walking every time. Don't just stop, pull over. Hey, man, why don't you ride with us? Nope. We walking. I'm like, okay, you know what? I ain't saying nothing. Mom, you obviously know what you're doing. <laughs> but you know what? Praise the Lord. Amen. Because I've come to learn that we serve a mighty God, a true God, and he took us through these experiences for a reason. Amen. When I see people today and they say, oh, it rained, I can't get to church. You got a car. What? <laughs> so what, what was wrong again? <laughs> oh, it rained, I can't get to church. I got to walk from my house to the car. What happens? Oh, my hair going to get messed up. Anyways, I'm going to get off of this one. Amen. I want you to know we serve a mighty God. And I was really glad for the, for the simple experiences I had to go through to learn the importance of being in the house of God. I didn't like it be going there. I may have been bored uh, to, for, for my life when I got there. You know, African services are really long. Amen. But at the end of it, I never left the service mad. I left blessed every single time. And I see what God did. I sat there as a kid, and I see people get prayed for, and I say, wow, look at that. And I say, oh, I tell my brother, stand up here. Let me put my hand. Fall, okay? Fall, 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 <laughs> fall. <laughs> Amen. And we'll try to catch each other. Sometimes it was a little heavy. So they went down a little faster. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. A pastor's walking down the street one day when he notices a very small boy trying to press a doorbell on a house across the street. However, the boy is so small and the doorbell is too high for him to reach. After watching the boy's efforts for some time, the pastor moves closer to the boy's position. He steps smartly across the street, walks behind the boy, places his hand on the shoulder, and says, and rings the doorbell for him. Crouching down the child's level, pastor smiles and says, now what, my little man? Looking at the door, the boy says, now we run. <laughs> Amen. It's good, it's good to have some humor, amen, in the house of God. We're going to go ahead and watch a quick video, and we'll get started, amen. What's up with your box? That's not mine. Oh, well, how long has it been here? Since before I got here. I don't know. It's not my... It's not my problem. Well, what is it? It's a problem. Oh, a problem. Right. Well, should I look at it? Knock yourself out. Uh, but you might want to think about that. Oh, why? Well, like I said, that's a problem. Well, whose problem is it? I don't know. It was here before I got here. Wait, so you don't know whose it is? No, and honestly, I don't really care. I've got more important things to do. Yeah, well, someone has to care. I mean, you can't just sit here forever. It's got to be someone's problem. Why? Why does it have to be someone's problem? Just don't look at it. Pretend it's not even there. Hey, <laughs> there is no problem. What? That doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, wait. So what you're saying is it's not your problem. Right. And it's not my problem. Yeah. Then whose problem is it? 
Amen. Would you turn your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 10, verse uh, 25 to 37? You know, many times we, we actually go through that, that very same uh, scenario. Uh, I've seen that play over and over, whether it's a church, whether it's outside, whether it's many places where we, people end up in a place where they say, well, whose problem is it? And if you got your Bibles turned there, just say amen. If you don't, say hold up, wait a minute, and we'll wait a little longer. It's on page 1,527. <laughs> amen. Amen. Say amen. Are you ready? Amen. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And he answers and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, asked, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. And certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he said to him, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, and he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We ask you, God, that you open up our hearts and allow us to receive your word and just receive it, Heavenly Father, and be changed today in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about compassion today. The Bible tells us that when the priest came down that road and saw that man beaten up, the Bible says when he saw him, the priest didn't just pass and not see him. It says when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And he said when the Levite came, guess what? He came and looked. <laughs> he came and looked and looked at the guy. He didn't say he saw him and kept passing. He said he came, he found him. He actually took the time to go across the street. And when he saw him and he looked, guess what he did? He crossed back across the street and passed by. And a, Samar a Samaritan came and he came where he was. And when he saw him, he did the right thing. He had compassion on him and took good care of him. See, the definition of compassion from Webster of course, is uh, a sympathetic consciousness or awareness 
of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it, with a desire to remove it. When you see someone in distress, you have that awareness deep inside you and you say, you know what, I want to help that person. So the man asked, when he came to Jesus, he said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus took this to show him who his neighbor was. But we have a different question today. And the question I have today is which one of these three can lead that man on the road to Christ? Which one of these three men that walked by, one saw him, the other one took time off his calendar, walked up to him and saw him and went about his way. And the third one actually just came and helped him out. Which one of these can lead someone to Christ? A few years ago, going on five, amen, my wife and I, we got saved. Actually, and I got saved, praise the Lord. Amen. And, and, and after we got married, it was the other way. We actually got, got saved, then we got married. We were shacking. And, and I'm going to tell you just a couple of things. There was a, there was a family that lived right downstairs from us. And boy, they heard everything. <laughs> yes, right? I wasn't saved. They heard everything. Every party we ever had, every fight we ever got into, every craziness, they even called their apartments on us. They even told the apartment we was a little too loud. If we knew that, we wouldn't have followed them to church. <laughs> they told us that afterwards, amen? <laughs> but, but it took compassion. And I really, I really want to tell you a funny story. It took a compassion. The guy that lived down the street with his family doesn't like rap music. This guy absolutely can't stand it. He thinks it is the most disturbing music in the world. <laughs> and when I saw him driving up the street, Every time we see him driving up, I say, man, what kind of music is this? Who is this guy? I mean, he got his windows up. A lot of rock and roll, just wild. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> I tell my wife, he's crazy. We're jamming all rap music and wilding out. I'm sure he's thinking, these guys are crazy. So, so he comes up one day, and you know he doesn't talk to people he doesn't know, all right? He does, really doesn't. I've been with him many years. <laughs> and he comes up. says, hey, man, guess what? We got a rap concert. I look at him. I really gave him the look. Like, really? Do I look like I like rap music? <laughs> Is there something about me that made you think I like rap music? And he really, it took compassion from his end to say, you know what? I got to reach out to this man. And invite him to church. Find a way to reach out to him that he will get to hear about Jesus and be and be saved. I was living a life. It was no it was no lie. When I was out there, I did it. I went all the way, all the way. I'm talking above and beyond with flying colors. And you ain't you 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 didn't have to you didn't have to look me up. You didn't have to see me on my bad time. You just see me any day and know I wasn't living right. All right, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, let's stop, let's stop playing, right? So this guy really had compassion because when he saw me, he knew that I needed Jesus. And he went outside of his way. He went outside of his way. Even though him and his wife reported us to the apartments, they went outside of their way to tell us about Jesus, amen? 
And guess what? Years later, well, I mean, just not too long later, that we hit that, that, that crossroad, my wife and I, we hit that crossroad. We said, we got to get to church. We got, we got to get to church. We need Jesus. We called my, we called my mom one day, 4th of July, 2009. We called my mom. We was butting heads, man. She was just getting on my nerves. Okay, whatever. You know, and I'm driving. We're going out to buddy of mine's house in Wiley. You know, so I, for some reason, I, I was just so mad. I just called my mom. Never talked to my mom about a girl before, which I think is crazy, right? Who talks to their mom about girls? It's crazy. So I said, Mom, I love this girl, but it ain't working out. We never had this conversation before. <laughs> African parents, we don't roll like this, right? Y'all should know. We don't do this. You know, they, they look at you. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the mindset. So she said, you know, and this is the first time actually giving me advice about this. Because normally she just, what? <laughs> that's it. That's the attitude. You guys are kidding me. Like, stop this. But this day she says, is your relationship glorifying God? And when she said that, I knew what she was talking about. We were shacking. We was living a life that was not pleasing to God. In that moment, we decided, you know what? That guy, that guy that's been telling us about the rap concerts and the, the craziness. I know he don't like rap, really. I just, I was, I made fun of him all the time. I told my wife, this guy here. But we went to that church. And next time he came up, guess what? He was the other thing. He said we got barbecue. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are college students at this time. And he said, we got free food. You don't get that on the radio. Right? So we get up, man, and go up here and meet with these guys. And guess what? He took the time. Him and his wife took the time and just invested in us. Invested in us. We go up to the house every, almost every day. And it just pour into us and pour into us. And oh, he sit there with his Yahoo answers, answering Christian questions online. And he just pour into us, crack that Bible open and just pour into us. He had compassion, amen. And from that compassion, from that man's compassion, we started learning and growing and growing and growing in Christ. You can't forget what people did and the compassion that they had to invest in you. Many times, many times we, you know, we see people pouring. We don't think of people pouring out, but every minute and every moment and every decision that we make actually counts to the destiny of those people that we pour in. You got to catch this. That's why we have to have what? Compassion. Because guess what? Today will be me. Tomorrow will be you. Today will be you. Tomorrow will be me. And we both need compassion. I want to tell you, so when Ashley and I got saved, we started coming here. Of course, we were broke, five broke. We ain't got it. Amen. We kept coming around here. Man, I don't want to tell y'all. It was bad. Amen. But we made it. Amen. We made it day by day. Whenever we had free food, we made it. Amen. So we, we, we came to church. Amen. But one day, you know, I had tickets. I had a whole bunch of mess. And I'm coming down and. And I don't know if Ashley had a class and uh, another brother dropped me off at the house. And he's like, why didn't you drive? And he's asking me these questions. Mind you, I just got saved and I'm trying to live right, right? We're married now. We're living right. You know, we're living right. 
He says, why didn't you drive? I said, man, you know, really, my license is suspended. You know, I really ain't got that kind of money to spend for that. You know, we, we, we're college students, man. You know, but I really wasn't telling him to say, hey, you know, give me some cash. I was just saying, like, this is why I ain't driving. It's going to be a little bit. You know, I'll just, we'll make it. Ashley still got a license. She ain't never got in trouble before. Right? So, so he's dropping me off. I get out the car. I say bye. And he says, hey, man, hold on. And he pulls $260 and hands it to me. He says, is this enough? What? <laughs> hold on, man. Hold on. I didn't say any of that so you can give me money. He said, is this enough? He's literally pulling out more. I said, no, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I really wouldn't take it. He said, you would offend me if you don't. This man had compassion in my situation. And it taught me something. It taught me something. I was in the wrong for getting my license suspended. It doesn't mean I was in the right when it happened. I, I didn't have no insurance. I was still driving. My tags may have been out. I was still driving. Trying to catch me riding dirty. And guess what? They did catch me. They did slap me with some surcharges. And if they would have pulled me over, they would have taken me in. Now, many people would say, well, that's your fault. You know, you should have known better. Right? But you know, brother had compassion. And you know what? When I ask you, when we ask, we'll go back to that question. Which one of these people led me to Christ? The guy who says, should have known better. Yeah, of course. Duh, I know that now. <laughs> when a guy that says, you know what? I feel for you in your situation. Let me help you. I said, wow. I really appreciate it. You know, the sit current situation across the world with compassion is just defined with a con conditional set of people. They got to be in your clique, in your family. And when they're in your family, they can do something. It's all right. Oh, they didn't mean to. They did this. They did this. We always cover them, right? If they're our, our close friends, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's easy to justify not having compassion for the person that's over there. It's easy. We say it all the time. Well, she shouldn't have had them five kids. Okay, what are we supposed to do now? She already had them. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what are we supposed to do now? It's the compassion to say, you know what? That situation is that situation. See, compassion goes against the human nature of selfishness. To have compassion, you have to, we have to step out of our nature, selfishness, to get into that place where we can be effective. Right? If you want to be effective in the kingdom of God, you know, I'll tell you a story here in a minute. If we want to be effective in the kingdom of God, we have to remember compassion. It doesn't mean that we're not right. It doesn't mean they shouldn't have known better. Yeah, they should have known better, but now what? And I'll, 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 I'll ask you this. This is a challenge, and each one of you can think inside by yourself. And I'll be honest, because I didn't. If it does not touch us or affect us directly, in most cases, it doesn't matter. It's not my problem. It happens all the time. And for those who are honest, will say, you know what, you're right. When you think about this lady in, uh, was it in Sudan, Miriam... Uh, Ibrahim. Miriam Ibrahim is arrested for standing up for Jesus. And they're about to kill her. There's a petition going out there. 
We're going to sign it. Eh, whatever, if it matters. Let's be honest, right? I don't know how many people actually got to sign it. But where we moved with compassion, knowing that our sister there has stood up for her faith, where we really moved with compassion to say, that right there could be me. That is my sister. If my actual blood sister was in prison getting ready to be killed, I'll be finding every single way to get her out. I'll be doing every single thing possible. But if I sent you a text today and say, hey, would you sign this petition so we can see if we can get Miriam help? What would you do? Oh, well, I got to go to the grocery store. Then, uh, well, my show is on, so let me get it after, okay? Like right at 8 o'clock, I'll remember, oh, snap. I forgot tonight. Let me do it tomorrow. And every day, she spends another day in there. Every day, she spends another day in there. And let me ask you this. We'll take it even a next step. After you sign it. So let's say you signed it and you figured out she's not coming out. What was the next step we did? What do we do? Do we get up and say, what else can we do to get Miriam out? What else can we do? Did, did she get in our prayers the first time we heard about it every night until she got out? Compassion. Compassion, in most cases, I don't see it, forget about it. It's not my problem. But it is. It is our problem. Our brothers and sisters need us to have compassion. Like the priest and the Levite, many of us have things to do. We're on a mission. We're going someplace. We got our own business to deal with. Everybody got their own mess too. Or they want me to stop what I'm doing so I can go help them out. Nothing will stand in our way in most cases. But guess what? Every single day, there's a man laying there, left for dead. Every single day, we are presented with an opportunity where there's that man laying there, left for dead, where we get to exercise compassion. And the question goes to this. Which of these three could lead this man to Christ? This is a personal question. I asked myself this. I had, a, I had a situation not too long ago where I was doing the right thing. You know, somebody was getting ready to send a report, and I looked at it. I said, wait a minute. This doesn't add up. And they said, well, um, you know, we got data integrity issues. We're working on them. I said, well, wait a minute. If you send that... I'm going to reply. I'm going to reply all, right? If you got an email and you tag people, right, and you send a report, I said, I'm going to reply all and say, you guys need to fix this, right? Because why? Because it kind of reflects negatively on my team that you have this. I said, I'm going to reply all and say, you guys need to fix this. And the response was, I don't appreciate being threatened. I said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. I'm not threatening you. I'm just letting you know you need to fix your stuff or you send it. Was that professionally right? You're dead on. It was the best thing to say. I was saying, look, I'm letting you know exactly what I'm going to do. Fix your stuff before you send it to me, before you send it out. Because after I reply, it's, everyone is going to question every single email that comes from you next time. That's what happens. It's a corporate, it's a corporate lifestyle. It happens that way. You send something and somebody questions it, questions it three times, four times. Every, from then on, everything you send, somebody's going to question it. They're going to say, ah. This person never sends accurate information, so take that with a grain of salt. Apply the square rule. 
It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. It's true. But I didn't want to do that. I said, hey, why don't you check that before you send it out? Because I don't want to have to reply to that. But they were hurt and walked out the room, and I could hear them crying. I could hear them crying in a small little conference room. And I was like, oh. I asked the guy, I said, hey, man, would you go talk to her and figure out what's going on? And, you know, they went and talked, and, you know, they were good. And, I, you know, I didn't get to talk to her again. But what, came, what I came to think about was that soul right there, would that soul hear Jesus Christ from me? Will that soul and every person associated with that soul right here get to hear the gospel from me? Or am I that person that has no sense of compassion, no idea of what they're going through and going forward? That testimony is not relevant to that person. Was I in the right? You're dead on. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right unto man, but in the end leads to destruction. Guess what? Was I in the right? Was I professional? You're dead on. I was. And I'm going to be the first one to tell it, right? Because I did it. I was professional. It was the right thing to do in the profession. Was it the right thing to do with compassion? No, it wasn't. How could I have handled it differently? I don't know. I didn't think that far in. But I needed to have compassion and figure out what was going on with this person here and figure out how is the best way we can deal with this without without now breaking into that place because guess what she was that person laying on the road and when i came in i looked up i says man i still need my two ounces of blood give it now <laughs> my two pints of blood i need it now hurry up yeah i know you need it but no 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 no, no. i ain't got time for that and i thought about it i said you know what that was wrong it was wrong it may have been right on paper. It may have been right in the professional world. It's wrong deep inside because I did not exercise compassion. And that, that's actually what led me to preach this message. Because compassion is what brings people to Christ. When you lack, when you pull out compassion, guess what? Where are they going? They're not following you anywhere. I've heard... I, you know, at the office, the most powerful thing that I've ever heard my, my vice president say was that his dad was in the hospital. We get in. I mean, he's talking business. He's talking about the future. He's talking strategy. And, you know, everybody across the globe will look at him and say, wow, this guy is at the very top. Because really is. He's at the very top. But the most powerful thing I've ever heard was him saying, man, my dad has been sick. He's at the hospital. I had compassion for this man. And that's the only thing I had to relate to him. I want you to know compassion is what relates us to people and is what takes us to Christ. It's what takes them to Christ. If I am not a person and I cannot be a person and I'm always about my business, whether it's kingdom business, whatever, but if I'm always about the business and I have no time to be compassionate, there is no evangelism. You cannot have evangelism without compassion. It doesn't happen. Try going out there and be like, hey, you need to get saved. You're going to hell. And they say, okay, cool. <laughs> Guess what? I've heard it many times. I've been scared. 
But I wouldn't go walk up to that guy and say, hey, man, would you tell me about Jesus? No. That's the dude. He, he looks mad. He looks he look like I can't talk to him. He wants me to go to hell. He looks like it. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. I've seen, I seen people, you know, preaching the gospel, preach it, yes, with conviction and truth. The question is, will that person be able to come to you and ask you to tell them about Jesus? Are you approachable and in a position where you would ever be able to lead that person to Jesus? Or so, are we so far, so far about our father's business that we're not approachable? That we're no longer any good to lead people to the cross? The cross is a place of repentance. It's a place where people go to be forgiven and turn their lives around. By, because Jesus gave what? He gave love. And that act of love, and him dying on the cross, we're saved. Nobody here can say, ah, oh, guess what? When Jesus died on the cross, right, I was working. So I was kind of helping him out. No. Nobody aided in this. We did not help. Maybe Judas can say he helped, but too bad. He died soon. Who else helped him? Guess what? We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we're going to reach out and do these things, evangelize and disciple people and plant churches and exercise this vision, this great commission, we need compassion. Just three key, key areas where Jesus showed compassion. You can write this down in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. You say, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. The people out there didn't have anything. They didn't have, and it goes on to say that the, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Jesus had compassion on evangelism. Catch this. People in shackles and bondages. There was a story in uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 19. This is number two, by the way. The first one was uh, the lost people. Number two is people in shackles. There was a man. He was possessed by a legion of demons. Because I am legion. And he had 2,000 demons in him. And I don't know if that's what legion is, you know, how, how many number. I didn't really study that far in. Amen. But he was possessed with demons. And the Bible says what? Verse 19 says, however, Jesus did not permit him when he, when, well, after he got set free, he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. You got to catch this, y'all. Jesus had compassion on him. He got set free. He said, what? I want to follow you. In verse 19, Jesus replies to him and says, Jesus did not permit him, but said, go home and to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had what? compassion on you ain't that amazing ain't that amazing the third thing third area is to bring hope luke chapter 7 verse 11 to 13 there's a widow her husband is dead and she only has one son guess what he dies too there now they have him in a coffin and verse 11 says, now it happened the day after that he went to a city called Nine, and many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And verse 12 says, and there, and when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, 
the only son of his mother. She was, she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Guess what? This young man came alive. The Bible doesn't say that they cried out to Jesus, said, Jesus, we need you to have compassion on us and help us. They didn't. Jesus saw them weeping, and he had compassion on them. I want you to catch this. Many times we take the excuses, oh, they didn't ask me. Guess what? Jesus saw them, and he saw the pain, and he was in pain. He saw the pain she was going through, and he was in pain. Come on, I'm going to say this again. He saw the pain she was going through, and he was in pain. They didn't say, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus, I know you can heal this man. Have compassion on us. No, he didn't, they didn't say that. He was moved with compassion and touched this young man. This widow knew that she had nothing else going. Her husband, the provider, is dead. Now her son, the only left provider, is dead. What is she going to do? What is she going to do? She's not just crying because her boy is dead, but she knows her life is over. She has nothing left. And when he sees this, he, he just breaks himself, Jesus, with compassion. says, I want to help. He didn't say, well, you know what? You could get a job at Walmart too. Oh, y'all missed that. Y'all missed a good place to say amen. He didn't go up and says, you can go get your own job, mama. Go take care of your business. Yeah, you know your kids ain't there, so do what you got to do, man. You know what? There's some truth in that. But when are we moved with compassion and say, how can I help this person who is struggling? Church, if we don't do that, how are they going to get to know Jesus? If all we say is, hey, you know what? You should know better. You go figure that out. And we're always leading people. Yeah, fine. Lead them to the fish. That's fine. But what are you doing? What are we doing? Come on, church. There is no evangelism without compassion. We are useless in the kingdom of God. That's right, useless in the kingdom of God if we cannot exercise compassion inside these four walls and outside these four walls. When people see us out there, we see somebody. I saw a guy yesterday driving to the airport. I saw a guy. His name was, his name was uh, Gerald Jamerson. And we stopped, at the, we stopped at the light. He came out. He had a saying. He says, help. Man, I have no cash. I actually don't ever carry cash. For those who know, Robert knows. I don't ever carry cash, right? It's the new young generation, this new millennials. We carry plastic. I'm sorry. So Jamerson I said, man, brother, I, I am really sorry. Because he's standing here and my window's up. What am I supposed to do? Roll my window down and say, sorry, bro. Okay, that's not right. Because he's going to be like, why are you roll your window down? So he, <laughs> why are you trying to tease me? So I wrote, I, you know, he's looking at me, right? So I'm like, you know what? I said, man, look, I'm sorry, man. I, I really don't have any cash. He said, look, brother, whatever you got, I'll take. I looked up, and I had like seven, eight, nine cents, if that. He said, if you got a penny, I'll take it. I said, come on, man. He said, I'll take it. 
okay. I grabbed what I had, and I gave it to him. He said, man, my name is Gerald Jamerson. Look me up. I'm a writer. He said, yeah, I'm a writer. I said, what happened? You know what he said? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. He said, we're just going to continue living. I said, wow. Blew my mind. Blew my mind because this man had the attitude. of He, he really had the attitude and nothing has happened. We're going to keep on going. I didn't have much money, but he gave me faith. Because, yeah, okay, too bad. I, I, sorry, I couldn't stop. I was trying to rush to the airport. I said, wow. That was amazing. How could I have more compassion on this man? What could I have done for this man? Mind you, I'm on my way to the airport. I ain't got no time to stop. I have no time to take outside of my day to help this man. Guess what? Each one of us are in that position every single day. Each one of us are in that position where we see somebody and we have no time to take out of our day to help someone. I'm going to finish up with a small story. And musicians, I guess you can start getting ready to come up here. Um, I don't know where Sheila and Ashley are. Maybe we can get them. It says, while walking home from school, a boy named Mark noticed the boy ahead of him stumbled to the ground and dropped everything he was carrying. Mark hurried to the boy's side and helped him collect his belongings. Surprisingly, the boy was carrying an especially hefty load. There was a baseball glove, a bat, a couple of sweaters, small tape recorder, armful of books. Mark helped him carry the things home. Carry the things home and his new friend, Bill, was most appreciative of his compassion. During the walk home, Mark discovered Bill was struggling in school and had just broken up with his girlfriend. And when he arrived at Bill's house, he invited Mark in for a Coke and to spend the rest of the afternoon talking, laughing, watching TV. Although the two boys never became close friends, they kept, kept up with each other throughout the rest of junior high and high school. Several weeks before graduation, Bill approached Mark and asked him if he remembered that day when Mark helped him with all his stuff. Mark nodded, yeah, I remember. And Bill asked, do you ever wonder why I was carrying so many things that day? Without pausing for an answer, Bill explained he had cleaned out his locker and he was going home to take his life. And he had been storing away sleeping pills and was headed home to end it all when Mark happened along to help him out. Bill told Mark that simple act of compassion inspired him to go on living. He said, Mark, when you picked up my books that day, you saved my life. Imagine how many times our small, seemingly insignificant gestures of concern may reignite the flame of life and inspire someone to continue on. Amen? Bill had given it all. So I'm done. I'm cleaning up my locker. Don't want nobody to help him clean it up. And Mark saw him. He said, all right, whatever. This kid just has a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just going to help him out. He just had compassion on him. He just said, you know what? I want to be carrying all this stuff. I'm just going to help him out. And guess what? He did. And because of that, Bill gained a friend. He said, you know what? Life ain't, ain't over. It ain't over. Not today. Not today. It's not over. Amen. He gave that boy hope. Guess what, church? 
Many times we are right in our thinking. We are right. You know what? People should do right. I shouldn't have gotten those tickets to have my license suspended. Maybe somebody shouldn't have had so many kids out of wedlock and they wouldn't be struggling the way they are. Maybe some people shouldn't have been in whatever circumstance, situation, that, that they, the things that they did. But it happened. Now we're here. Now we're here. I've seen even the most, the, the greatest of what they call gentlemen, they've messed up. The greatest ladies of all time, they've messed up. The greatest men of all times have messed up. But now we're here. Where's the compassion? Do we just rule them out and close them out? Did somebody say something to you three weeks ago? And we're still holding it. And we see them struggling. And we're just going to walk up and look. And look. The priest did that. He walked up and looked. The Levite did the same thing, walked up and looked. All these people walk up and look. They may turn around and talk about it on their way to their mission. But that's not us. That's not what we do. We don't walk up and look and keep walking. We stop. We stop. There is nothing more important than serving God. Nothing. Not a million dollars. Not a hundred million dollars. I guess, I tell you what, it's all vanity. You will have money, you will get tired of it. You will have the power, you will get tired of it. You will have all the things that you think you can make for yourself, but you will get tired of it. There's only one thing that's going to matter. is what you did for Jesus Christ. What you did and said, Lord, I will serve you and I'm doing this because you have put this in me and I want to do it right. I want you to know, church, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And unless Jesus Christ had compassion to come down and die on that cross, none of us would be saved. None of us are more saved than the other. And this morning, we have an opportunity turn back around and say Jesus have mercy on me have mercy on me for lack of compassion and open my eyes to see every opportunity that you place in front of me I want to come back to you I'm going to stop being the Lord of my own life and trying to do it my way I want to do it your way still use me Lord please use me I'm not lost in my own things. I want to have compassion to have your heart. Because Jesus had compassion. And he still does today. We're still alive, aren't we? He still has compassion. I mess up all the time. Day in and day out. But he has compassion. Gives me another opportunity to repent. 